When navigating the complex and often stressful process of college applications with your homeschooled teenager, have you ever wished you knew a few trade secrets that would help smooth the way for a successful transition? Megan Facero, Benedictine College's Homeschool Outreach Coordinator, is here to give us some insider tips from the College Admissions Office. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, and we're going to get some great insider tips from the College Admissions Office from Megan Facero. Megan is the Homeschool Outreach Coordinator for Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, and has held various positions at Benedictine College over the years in the student life and ministry departments as well. Along with her work with the Office of Admissions as the Homeschool Outreach Coordinator, she's also their Study Abroad Program Director and Parent Outreach Coordinator, a great resource for homeschoolers. Her best job title, however, is Homeschool Mom to Julia, who is a junior in college this fall. Megan and her husband, Matt, live in rural Atchison County in Kansas. Welcome to the show, Megan. It's so good to have you back again. Oh, thank you, Lisa. I'm so glad to be back. Oh, yeah. Well, your joyful spirit just lifts mine. And, and uh, I know that, you know, I, I'm so interested in leadership. And I love when I see a leader like you, someone who's really out there in the forefront of paving the way for homeschooled families, to see that you just operate out of a kind of giftedness, uh, an ability to lift people up in joy and inspire confidence. So really, I just want to thank you in advance for everything you're about to gift us with today. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm thankful that um, my you know life path has brought me to this point where I can be a resource for homeschooling families. Just beautiful. Let's start by talking about how the admissions office can actually be a resource for our kids. Yeah, that's one of the things I discovered. So after I completed my homeschooling career, you know, so I, I, like you said, I have one daughter, Julia, and when she graduated in 2017, my homeschooling was over and I started working for the Office of Admission. And I learned so much from the people that I was working with because they're professionals who do this every day. You know, this is what they, they do extra research. They attend conferences. This is their professional um, calling. And so I learned so much from them that I realized I had no idea as a homeschooling parent. Um, some of these little tips and, and like you said, trade secrets that, um, that might just be of assistance to other people as well. And I, I want to share those with other homeschooling families. Yeah, step us into when you look at the admissions office, from the outside in, it looks to homeschooling parents like it's this, this bureaucracy we have to penetrate and we have to bang <laughs> on the door and, and, and we almost feel like everything is set against us because we're completely overwhelmed and we don't know what to do with our children or we, you know, maybe we're, we're doing most of the research and they're busy on, you know, with something else and we're starting to wonder if we're really operating in God's plan. So what are some of the things that we can look at this differently and draw out help from the very people that maybe we're feeling anxious about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is such a good way of putting that. Well, I think the first thing is to just try to keep a supernatural outlook on, on this whole process. I mean, so I think doing that first will just set the whole thing up for a different feel and different experience for families. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember that there's a greater end in mind than just getting into college and that anything that happens along the way can be offered up 
to our Lord, any sufferings, you know, any challenges, things like that. If you can just offer those up um, and give, keep that supernatural outlook in mind, the, the very outlook that started you homeschooling in the first place is going to serve you really well in the college admission process. So that would be the first thing. And the second thing I'd say is just remember that on the other end of the phone and on the other end of those emails and um, text messages from admission office professionals is a real person on the other side. And, you know, they work with all kinds of different families. And I always tell homeschooling families, let's have us be the ones they really love talking to. You know, the ones who have the right perspective and who are kind and patient. And and if we can give that courtesy to the admission office professionals, I think it would be a great gift to them in, the, in their work. And that's such great advice because in, in every realm where our children are beginning to step into what we sometimes refer to as the real world, right? The place out there where stuff is happening and being built and made and created, they can feel like outsiders to a secret world. But the moment we start to step into some new realm, whether we're publishing for the first time or getting our first job or whatever those new things are, we discover human beings. How incredibly reassuring. Yeah, just thinking about them driving into work every morning and, and realizing that they've got things on their mind. They've got, you know, stresses of their own. And and yeah, to just kind of keep that in mind. And then I think just to ask them, what's the best way to communicate with you? You know, what are some things I can do um, to make this process more easy? Uh, I think those would be, that would be a great thing to do too. Just ask the question, what's the best way to communicate with this admission office? And what are you seeing as some of specifically resources that the admissions office can make available that will help us in the process? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Once I you know, started working here, I realized there were so many resources available that I wasn't even aware of as a homeschooling parent. So I'm on a, a mission to share these resources with parents to make our lives so much easier. So the first one I think that can be really helpful and fun for our um, high schoolers is to let them take a major's assessment. So just a little personality type of quiz where they get to um, just talk about their passions and their interests and their strengths and their weaknesses. And then out pops uh, to, you know, a little list of 10 possible majors that might be well-suited for your student. And I think the way we can use that is to either expand our college search, you know, like maybe we were kind of thinking this particular student is going to, you know, really loves history. And so let's look at history programs or history colleges where they can get a good history degree. But you might find from um, having them do this, my majors assessment, um, that they, maybe they're well suited to human resources work or to um, maybe studies in engineering, something like that. So it can either, it might broaden a student's college search or it may help narrow it down too. If they're kind of all over the place and feel like they don't know what their strengths and interests are, this might just help narrow it down and give them a direction. So it, we have it available at Benedictine's website. So it's benedictine.mymajors.com. And I think this will be available in the 
meeting notes from today. Is that right? Yes, we'll have it in the show notes. And I also just want to say that as a life coach and, and a person who sometimes helps with career coaching, I'm completely geeking out that you're that you're doing this because I love assessments. The even our paths of sanctity are so helped by self awareness. And as our children start to discover their giftedness, they start to be able to sense the call of God on their hearts. And it's just so beautiful that a Catholic institution would say, here, here's a way to know yourself a little better. Exactly. Yeah. Know yourself and then kind of start to get, get an idea of what's available out there. You know, I feel like sometimes, um, we that happens in schools where there might be a career day or something like that where students start to think about those things and so i think this can just help our students you can have them do it as early as eighth grade or something like that just for fun to start just getting an idea of what's what's out there what kind of careers fit with these majors so yeah it, it generates a list of majors that might be suited for your student and then a list of careers that go along with those majors that's such a cool idea to start them that young what else yeah. So another thing, this is a, a great resource um, at Newman Society, at the Cardinal Newman Society. They offer a Recruit Me program where if you want your student to begin receiving um, college recruitment information from faithful Catholic colleges, they, you can just simply go to newmansociety.org slash recruit dash me and there's a button that just says recruit me and you click on that. You fill out information about your student. You can even do it for your godchildren too. I've done it for my nieces and nephews that who I want to receive some great, you know, Catholic recruiting materials um, from Catholic colleges. So you just click there and you'll get, get um, information from Catholic colleges across the country. So it's like a one-stop shop for being recruited by all kinds of faithful Catholic colleges. Nice, nice. Because, you know, the minute they take a standardized test, they're going to get, if they clicked that box when they took a standardized test, they're going to get hundreds of these things. And it's very confusing. It's true. And so, yeah, if you want them to have in the mix of that mail coming to your house, if you want them to have some really great faithful Catholic colleges trying to recruit them, this is just an easy way to do that. Beautiful. Yeah, another resource that I've become aware of, which I think is especially super helpful for um, homeschooling families, is called transferology.com. And it's just a website you can go to and you just enter the uh, name of a college or an AP test that your student is planning to take. You enter the name of the, the test or the college course, and then you enter the names of the colleges where your student is thinking of attending after high school. And it provides a match to show you where your student, you know, where most of your students' um, credits will transfer most easily and how they'll transfer actually. So not only that, yes, this college will accept it, but they'll accept it and it will fulfill this particular requirement. So it's an amazing resource. And like I said, it can be used for a student taking community college classes or any online classes, any AP testing, CLEP testing. Um, and there's another type of testing called DSST testing, which I've become aware of now also in my job. And, and it just is super handy. You can do it before your student takes the class to determine, is this a class I want my student to take now? Will it transfer to the college that, I'm, uh, that the student is hoping to go to after high school? 
Wow. And of course, a lot of us do that. We do the CLEP tests and the AP exams and all of that. And sometimes uh, dual enrolling with our community colleges, trying to save a bucket load of money before we head off to a four-year institution. And many of us have made that work very successfully. But to be able to know in advance what kinds of things are going to transfer and what requirements they'll fulfill is really what a gift. Yeah. But yeah, you create an account so it saves that information for you too. And if, if for um, example, a result comes up as a maybe, so you'll either get a yes, this will transfer, a no, this will not transfer, or a maybe this will transfer. That just means that the particular college hasn't evaluated that particular course yet. And you can click on a, a simple button uh, that says request more info, and it will send an email to the registrar's office of that particular college and ask them to evaluate that particular course for you. So it does all of this work for you. That, that, That's amazing. It is. It's absolutely amazing. And it's just out there just for free for our students and families to make use of. So I definitely recommend um, taking a look at that. Wow. That, see, see, you know what just popped into my head? With these kinds of resources available, mom now doesn't have to sacrifice her devotional time in the morning because she knows that some of the work will be done for her and that she <laughs> can just right. simply put her teenager in front of the computer and say, here's what you do. <laughs> well, and that is such a great point about letting your teenager take some of the lead on this process because that's another thing I've learned from the, the back end of the admission office is it's really great for admission counselors to get calls from parents and they're they're always welcome you know welcoming those types of phone calls but the more they can get to know your student through the process the better because they'll be able to identify opportunities for your student based on their interests and their strengths they'll they might keep your student in mind if they hear of a scholarship that is available or a special program of distinction something like that so the better they know your student the better um the, the whole process will go for, for the family and for the admission office. Wow, that's really interesting that they really like to talk to the teens themselves. Um, I don't want to cut you off from any further resources if you've got more on your list. Should we step into this process of your student becoming more known or have you got more? Sure, the only us? other thing is just... Uh our Benedictine Homeschool Guide, which I think you have in the, in the meeting or the show notes from today. It's a great resource just um, for any, wherever you plan to go to college, it's a good resource about creating a resume and a transcript and how a four-year plan for preparing for college and then how to evaluate your college visits. So I would just want to make sure your listeners are aware of that. Yes, we shared that on your previous episode and we'll make sure to repeat that link. We don't want people to have to search for it. So well, definitely, that's a free guide. Uh, and, and not only does the college, as you told us previously, uh, allow you an instant download of the PDF copy, but then they send you a hard copy in the mail so you can actually mark it up and turn down pages and, and really kind of live with it. Yeah, that's nice. right. Yeah, it's got a, got a checklist for your student to kind of keep track of their progress in the college admission process. And, and so we think it's really helpful. That's priceless. Yeah, so getting our children to kind of step into the spotlight a little can be really hard because they're scared and we're scared. Um, how do we help them to become more visible and known to the college that they're interested in so that they can get those opportunities from dedicated people like you? Yeah, that's a great question. We, I know how it is. You know, when you walk into the admission office with your students, sometimes you want to 
be the one answering the questions for them. <laughs> you know, you you want them to be answered a certain way. But the more we can let our students talk to the admission office professionals and get that practice doing that, the more impressed the admission office officials are going to be, the more they'll get to know your student. Um, so that's one thing is just to make sure to let allow them to do the talking in as hard as it can be as a homeschooling mom or any mom, you know, wants to kind of pave the way for their student. But if we can let them do that, I think we'll see great dividends for our student in the future. Another thing is just to allow your student to possibly use, and you can decide on your own. So I don't want to create a technology use policy for anyone's individual family. I definitely respect the right of the family to decide what kind of technology their student should be using. But if you're going to allow a student to have a unique email address aside from yours, which you can still check every day if you need to, this may be the time to consider doing it. And the reason is just so that it keeps all of their college email in one place. It'll be easy to go and find those emails. You're not sifting through your own inbox trying to find college-related emails. Um, also, it kind of lets your student realize, wow, this is my process. I need to kind of be on top of deadlines for scholarships and programs of distinction applications and even just the application itself. Um, so some families have done things like create an email address like Anne's College email at gmail.com or something like that, um, just to keep it all separate in one place. And on the back end from the admission office, we see your student as a unique student based on their email address. And so sometimes um, we'll send an email to a, a particular student in a family, but because the whole family is sharing the email address, the entire family is getting the same message that's really geared just for the senior in the family. Um, so it's a little, uh, it can be confusing on the back end of an admission office if everyone is sharing the same email address. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then as far as, this was something that happened to my student when she was being recruited, uh, or you know, going through the college admission process, she received a text message on her phone from an admission office professional. And we both thought, well, this is really, you know, kind of, it kind of took us aback. We thought, wow, what are they doing texting? But now that I'm working in the admission office, I realize that that is a main, main form of communication with students nowadays. So our homeschool students may not be texting as much as their public school and Catholic school counterparts, but the admission office professionals are definitely using it to communicate with all of those different constituencies. And so if, a if an admission office officer is visiting your town, they may just use a texting um, application to send a text to all the students who are in that town to say, hey, I'm going to be at a pizza place tonight and I'd love to take you to dinner, you and your family to dinner um, or meet me, meet me for coffee. I would like to go over your application, those kinds of things. I mean, they can definitely communicate with you other ways as well. But it's a really easy way for admission uh, counselors to communicate with students is through text. So if you're comfortable with that or if you can share, you know, use a, a shared uh, phone for your family and allow your student to text with admission office that way, um, I, I think there would be benefits to, to be had there. Yeah. And, and the, the mother in me is going, oh, God, without <laughs> me filtering the communication, what's going to happen there? And it makes me think, well, we can do a little role play. We can say, if you receive a text, your first response should be, thank you for reaching out, Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. And a closing of, 
thanks. This is so, this is so good of you to reach out or whatever. I appreciate you. Like start with a nice greeting that acknowledges the person for reaching out and end with another thank you. Like we can just, we can help them practice their social skills this way too. Exactly. Exactly. With people who are doing with this with all kinds of high schoolers. So they're used to working with high schoolers. They're not, you know, they won't be shocked by anything that they see. And they're very forgiving because they know that students are just growing into adulthood. And so they're not expecting, you know, perfection um, from the outset. They're, they realize that this is a growing process for the high schooler too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it'd be, it'd be a way to stand out, wouldn't it? If they just have even a modicum of sensitivity to the propriety of responding to a that, like is, that. <laughs> that is so true. And when I walk through our admission counselor offices and I see that they receive Christmas cards and little postcards of appreciation from some of their families, I, I think, wow, that is something I never did through the entire admission office process with my daughter. I never once really thought to thank, thank someone in a special way. And, and you know, just, I, I guess I just realized how, again, there, there, there are people too, that you can have an actual relationship with this person. And our admission counselors tell us sometimes when a student arrives on campus, the admission counselor is the one person that they know already. And so if they have kind of a friendship with this person, when they see them on campus or they can come to their office and ask them questions, you know, it's, it's like an, a resource for your student when they arrive on campus as well. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. It kind of continues beyond that admission process. Any other aspects that you want to bring out about your child being known and before we talk about, I want to really get to campus visits as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about campus yeah. visits because that is, that's a great way for your student to become known um, by the, the admission office as well to make an in-person visit. Um, but I always tell families, first ask yourself, like, what are we trying to get out of this visit? You kind of have to determine where is my student in the process? Are they at the very beginning and they've, they need to go look at a large um, university. They also need to look at a small campus. And so are they kind of at that point where they just need to get a feel for what's out there? You know, what does it feel like to walk on a college campus? You just ask yourself, is it just a day where we can drive over to a nearby college campus and just walk through? Not even tell anyone that you're there, but just make a walk through or a drive through on a family vacation. You know, I always recommend if you're anywhere near a great college, you know, that your student may someday be interested in, even if they're 12 years old, make the drive through because um, it's a great opportunity to get a feel for the campus even before your student is going through the process of admissions. Great point. Yeah, or if your student is a senior and they're, they're like, okay, I've got to make a decision here, then maybe a personal campus visit is for them where they get to set the tone for the day. They get to decide which classes they are going to sit in on, what professors they want to talk to, what music auditions they want to do, um, what coaches they want to talk to. So they kind of get to tell the admission office like, hey, these are the things I need to do while I'm there to make sure I can be ready to make a good decision afterwards. So just ask yourself, what's the purpose of our visit and what kind of visit will fit us best at this point? Nice. Do you find that homeschooled kids are better able to ask those kinds of questions because they've had a little bit more opportunity to develop their own unique passions and interests? Yeah, they definitely, our professors tell us that homeschoolers are just honest about their likes and dislikes. You know, they, they know themselves pretty well and they're, you know, they're, they're just out there. They're willing to kind of be an open book 
and say, these are the things I'm interested in. These are the things that are not my strengths. And having a bit of humility um, just goes such a long way in, in those interactions with, with coaches and auditions and professors. Just having that, that willingness to learn and, and realizing that you don't know it all already and that's why, why you're going to go to college. Um, so it's just kind of recognizing, yeah, our, our own needs and how a certain college might be able to fulfill those needs for us. Mm, and I think homeschoolers, maybe not having spent a lot of time on campuses, generally speaking, uh, you know, unless they've done a dual enrollment, might not realize that as a rule, College professionals genuinely love young people. And like you said, get them. And they're not shocked by young people awkwardness or maybe even sometimes inappropriate behavior. It's okay. It's really okay to save space. <laughs> exactly. Actually, the students are what make the working at a college. They're the best part of working at a college. And so they they love getting to know students and they can tell, you know, whether the, like, oh, wow, this student would be a great fit here at our college. And I want to do what I can to help make it a possibility um, for this particular student. They can really tell when there's a good fit there. That's exciting. Yeah, it really is. It, that's, that's exactly right. I think this whole process is so exciting for families. And, and sometimes we dread it or we fear it or we kind of just want to put it off and not think about it. But if we think about it as a milestone in our child's life, that is really only going to happen once, you know, they're only going to be at this point one time. And so a friend of mine told me before we went on college visit, she said, Megan, just enjoy it as a, um, a girl's weekend with your daughter, you know, just with a little bit of fun thrown in getting to go visit a college, you know, and meet new people and sit together and, and, and talk about things that we've never talked about before. Um, you know, kind of about the future and hopes and dreams and things like that. So I, I really value that advice and I try to share it too, just to really appreciate these trips because things will go wrong. They're, they're part of your family story. You know, they're like a vacation. So there's going to be things that go great and things that, that were funny and things that were embarrassing. <laughs> and so just, you know, just try to embrace it as um, a milestone for your family. And I think there's just a lot of fun to be had in the process. Yeah, what a great lesson to allow things to be imperfectly perfect, you know, that this is part of our story together and let's have some joy in the journey. Beautiful. Yeah. So um, we touched, we've touched a little bit uh, on earning college credit before you head off to college. Can you tell us a little bit about what are the advantages and disadvantages to that? How do we look at that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I found is that in my position, I, I sometimes get calls from parents who are feeling stressed out because their student maybe is just doing high school work and their friend down the street, their homeschooling friend has amassed, you know, 50 college credits by the time they're graduating <laughs> from high school. And is and doing surgeries on Tuesday mornings before <laughs> mass. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And they're feeling this pressure. They're not even exactly sure why they want these college credits. They just know they want them and, and they want to know, you know, what, what should I do? How do I get these? So I, I always try to tell parents just Take a step back and let's analyze, okay, why are you wanting the credits? First of all, just remember, it's high school work is no joke. There's some really great high school work to be done by, in our students' curriculums, whatever they're using. Um, and so it's not bad to just come to college having done high school. 
that's perfectly acceptable. But that being said, there are some reasons why families may want to get some college credits under their belt before their student goes to college. And for me, the ones that I see that are the most important are maybe um, we've got, you know, we're homeschooling our high schooler. We realize they need a pre-calc class, but (laughs) I can't teach that. My husband doesn't have time or can't teach it either. We realize we need some outside help. And so there may be a great option at a local community college or an online course that can be taken. That's a great way to fill in a gap in your curriculum that you're not sure. I don't think I can homeschool high school without some help. That's a great way to to use the help and let your student earn that for high school credit and use it for the dual enrollment college credit too. And then you've mentioned this too, some students like the experience of just getting to walk on a college campus and see what it feels like before they're actually a student there. And so if you can give your students some classroom experience, letting them see what it's like to interact with a professor um, while they're still kind of under your roof, then it's a, that's a great way to use it too, to offer them some college experience. I also liked when my daughter was doing some uh, community college courses during high school that we were able to parse together, since it was a secular institution, the, a little bit of the spin on some of the textbooks. You know, there was a real cultural or political spin. We were able to parse that together or some of the new kinds of social situations or stepping through together that, you know, learning to use the administrative uh, resources that were there for her and to, to tap into uh, you know, resources around guidance and counseling and all of that as far as academics. And so it is a nice test run together as a family. It really is. Yeah. While they're still there at home with you to kind of say, hey, this is what happened in class today and have that conversation with you too. That's a really great opportunity to be able to do that. And then Lisa, you mentioned this earlier about saving boatloads of money by getting some <laughs> of those college credits under your belt while you're still in high school. And I think that's another great reason. You know, some families will say, hey, we want to send you to a four-year college. Um, You know, we know that that's going to be a certain expense for us. So if we can complete that in three years, because you're coming in with a year of credits, that will be a huge benefit to both the student and the family. So that's another good reason to take college credits while you're in high school. Let's shave off a year year or a semester of college. And make room sometimes, even if you... The alternative is to do an increasing number, an increased number of electives and things like that. In other words, taking some of your credit hours to explore other options. That's right. Or if you know your student is going to be taking an engineering degree or a nursing degree or something that's going to require a very specific curriculum. Um, and you kind of want to give them a little breathing room in that, you know, that if they can come in with some of their general education requirements completed, that'll allow them a little more time on those really stressful classes or those semesters when they're also doing an internship or something like that. If they can have a little lighter load because they've already completed some college credits, that's another good reason for, for you know, seeking out those college credits while you're still in high school. We're often wondering, like, can we afford college? And the, the sticker price on most, most colleges, especially a lot of these beautiful private Catholic colleges that we want our children to attend, we, at first we have sticker shock. And that might actually prevent us from investigating further. What's a better way to look at that? 
Okay. Yeah. That's a great point because I'll talk to parents who will say, oh, you know, Benedictine is my daughter's dream school, but it's just out of our price range. And I'll, I'll say, oh, hold on just a second. You know, before you rule us out, make sure you go through the application and financial aid process at every college that is your daughter, your students, you know, dream college. Because as <laughs> frustrating as it can be to parents to look at the tuition and uh, room and board fees online, I just have to tell you, almost no one pays that sticker price. You know, there are very few families that are required to pay that based on financial aid and academic scholarships and other scholarships that are available. So before you rule out a college, make sure you give them the opportunity to give you a financial aid statement because that's where you're going to see the bottom line price. Okay, what is this really going to cost us? Um, and so that, that means you have to apply in order to see what your financial aid package is going to be. So, so I always encourage families, don't rule out a college immediately. Let that, let it, let dream kind of unfold a little bit and see if it can become a reality. We've also had the experience with Catholic colleges, Megan, of not only them being very friendly to homeschoolers and very quick to give academic scholarships, but also um, when the really it's really crunch time to decide between one school or the other, you get to the spring period where other people are opting to go to other places and more money becomes available as it gets later in the process. So if you're down to the wire and you need another thousand, come back to the school and ask them. They might be able to help you. Yeah, that is great, Lisa. I didn't realize that as a homeschooling parent, that if you can kind of identify the gap, if you can tell them exactly what it is that you need, it will be a big help to you because sometimes parents will just, or, or students will email the admission officer and say, okay, we can't afford this. So the admission officer, their first question is, all right, what's the gap that we're trying to up. Not just we can't afford it, but what is it? Is it $10,000? Okay, that may be harder to make up, but is it 1000 We may be able to find that somewhere. Um, it, like you said, as, as more students make their college decisions, different things unfold in the admission office, and, um, and they're, they're looking to recruit your student as well. So just keep that in mind, that if you can identify the gap, that will be a, a huge help to you. Yeah, and, and getting that extra thousand may allow your child to travel home for the holidays and things like that. So really planning out what it would look like to be in relationship with that school and identifying the gap is super important. Um, is there anything else we should touch on there before we um, just circle back to how to succeed in the application process? Yeah, I, one just other thing that I didn't realize is that every college is required to have a financial aid estimator on their website. So you can go anytime, you know, even when your student isn't, isn't applying, you can just go now, put in your student's um, test scores, put in some information about your student, very anonymous, so they don't even know who your student is, but just some basic information about your student, and it will generate a financial aid estimate for you, um, which is really helpful. And then like at Benedictine and other colleges, we have a scholarship matrix that's right on our website. It posts the what kind of test scores, standardized test scores and GPA we're looking for in order to award your student a scholarship, an academic scholarship. So you can see right up front, if my student, for example, has achieved a 27 on the ACT, what happens if they get a 28 or a 29? Will their scholarship increase? And so you can decide if, if it's worth it to have your student retake a particular standardized test based on what the increase in scholarship aid would be. That's so smart. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's like it's like a little trade secret that you can, you know, and you can actually ask if you can't find that on a college's um, website, you can just ask your admission counselor, hey, I've got a 27. If I get a 28, will that make a difference for me? And they, they'll be able to tell you where their next break is in the scholarship matrix. Mm, really nice. Nice. So we want to succeed in the applications process. What are some basic rules for us to follow? Well, I think some basics are to have your transcript in, in order. You know, that's something if we can start that freshman year for our students, a freshman year of high school, and just keep track because we always think we're going to remember what our student did freshman year. <laughs> but when we look back, a lot has happened in those last couple of years, and it might be kind of hard to remember exactly which classes they took and how well they did. So keep those transcripts up to date as you go. It, that'll be a big gift you can give yourself and give your student, um, for, you know, but so that when they're ready to apply, they've got a transcript that has six semesters of high school reflected on it. Um, they'll be in really great shape to send that in with their application. Um, another thing just to remember is when your student, this is kind of a funny one, but if your student can complete online forms very carefully, um, we find it's kind of humorous sometimes on the, the other end of the admission office when we realize we've been sending letters to Dear Brain instead of Dear Brian, you know, for the last couple of years. <laughs> if your student can just be careful when filling out information about themselves and their address and use capital letters for their names, I, it sounds funny, but sometimes students will just throw it in there with all lowercase. Just complete those forms really nicely so that on the other end, everything comes out, comes out well for your student. <laughs> Another thing is just to remember that the admission office is available for you. And our uh, officials are, you know, they're busy during, throughout the day. They've got visitors that they're working with and they're um, doing all kinds of different things, but they're not getting phone calls from Catholic school and public school students until after three o'clock when they get out of school. So if your student can use those hours when they're at home or maybe have like a gap in their between classes, um, if they can use those times to call the admission office, ask their question, reach out, um, they're, they're going to find there's a little more availability. Um, so I think it's a great advantage that homeschoolers have is that we're home during the times that our admission counselors are, are at work. And so I think so something, smart. yeah, something to keep in <laughs> mind. And then I just, always, my last thing is just to always set realistic expectations for the process and then go with the flow because, uh, you know, we have, a lot of order in our homeschools and we um, like to do things in a certain way. But when it comes to the two colleges, things are just a lot different. Even at a small college, you've got all kinds of different departments you're working with and different personalities, professors, all different um, ways of looking at things. And so if we can just be aware that, yeah, we'll, we may ask the admission office to set up a meeting with this professor in this department and this music audition at this time, but there's a whole world going on at the college beyond just what's happening in admission. There are students who are, you know, taking real tests or, you know, who may, it may have real needs that come up, you know, current students. Um, and so if we can just kind of keep in mind, hey, we're going to put it out there that these are the things that we want to do and the things we, we think are important but then to be ready to kind of go with whatever is handed to you and, um, and just kind of realize like that's, that's just how this visit is going. So just you, going with the flow is, is just a, an advice I have for families. 
Yeah, we live in such a consumeristic culture that we feel like we should be able to demand off the menu whatever's available and forget that this is, if we want to be served well as students when we're enrolled, we have to, those students really are uh, a very special priority for the staff. That's right. Or even their own, you know, situations. Sometimes a professor may be sick that day or have a child who is sick and isn't able to, to make it to your meeting. But definitely don't take it as a reflection of the college's interest in you. They're doing everything they can behind the scenes to make your visit just what you're expecting. But we also just have to be realistic and realize things may pop up that no one was expecting. Um, so just the better we're kind of ready to kind of accept that, I think the, the better our visits will go. Yeah, I feel like it's a great way to strengthen our faith and to witness to the faith to our children, too, if we're not panicking. It's hard not to because there's a lot of pressure on us, especially in the larger families. But as you started out saying, keeping that supernatural perspective on things. Right, exactly. Final words on that, Megan? Well, just when you mentioned the supernatural outlook, it just reminds me of um, just trying to always keep in mind through this process the, the reason we're homeschooling. And we're homeschooling for heaven or for our students. We're homeschooling saints, right? Uh, and uh, and we, we really want to keep that in mind throughout this whole process, too. The, this is a, a separate part of that. It, it's all integrated into our homeschooling process. And so we want to approach it the same values that we have, the same reasons we were motivated to homeschool in the first place should also be motivating us in our college, college search and the college application process. So just encourage families, I just encourage you to just keep the faith, keep that supernatural outlook and apply it to all aspects of your life, including um, your students' college application process. Mm, thank you so much, Megan. As always, you're inspiring. You give us so much great practical information. I can't get enough of interviewing you. And I know other people want to connect with you too. So everybody find Megan Facero, and that's F-A-S-S-E-R-O, at Benedictine College at benedictine.edu. But we'll also have that on the show notes, so it won't be hard to find her. She's really a, a bright light out there, and, and we appreciate you so much, Megan. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. All right, everybody, stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hello, my homeschooling friend. I'm Celeste Behe, and this is Story Strands. I'm sure you're familiar with the Random Acts of Kindness movement which was started when Anne Herbert wrote the phrase on a placemat in a California restaurant. That was in 1982. But the concept of random acts of kindness was introduced much earlier. In fact, over 2,000 years earlier, when Jesus Christ instructed his followers to love their neighbors as themselves. That golden rule was brought home to me in a powerful way, one day when I was about 10 years old. I was riding a New York City bus with my mother. A poor, disheveled woman boarded the bus at one of the stops. She was in dire need of a bath, and she was wearing bloomers that had slipped down to just above her knees. She stood at the fare box with her underwear dangling, muttering something about the bus fare and rummaging through her torn pockets. Suddenly, an African-American woman who was sitting in the front got up and paid the poor woman's bus fare. 
and then she pulled up the woman's bloomers, straightened her clothing, and helped her to a seat on the bus. Witnessing that incident taught me more about the golden rule than had a full year of parochial school. When I married and had kids of my own, I told them the story of the homeless lady on the bus and the good Samaritan who demonstrated love in action. The story was worth telling because of its moral, but it was also valuable for another reason. Because it related a real-life experience, the story could help to prepare my kids for a social situation that they might experience when they were much older. For example, the story could introduce them to the plain fact that some people's lives were very different from their own. It could be used to acquaint them with different ethnicities or with the struggles of the poor and homeless, or to simply show them what compassion looks like. Instruction through real-life stories is an effective and fully organic process. There is no teaching, per se, and yet learning is taking place. What is there for a homeschooler not to love, right? You can help your children to be both socially just and socially aware. Do it by committing random acts of storytelling. I'm Celeste Behe, and this is Story Strengths. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.